Welcome to Thought Cops, the only podcast where every week we police the mean streets of the internet because, hey, somebody's got to do it. And then we let you be the judge, the jury, and the executioner in the court of public opinion. Coming to you live from Neo Chicago, I am Officer Kevin. And I am the Grinch yet again. The, the Chris, the Christmas Cretan. I was just call. thinking about that bit you did two years ago when you first introduced the Grinch. Yeah. And then when you I hit wrote that the song. song. Yeah. And I remember it was so funny and I laughed a lot. Yeah. I had to throw that chair out that you pissed in. Oh, yeah. yeah my bad. It was too funny. Yeah. Sometimes, let me, let sometimes me tell you. things do go a little bit too far. Hey, that's uh, all's fair in comedy and war podcasting love and podcasting <clears throat> also folks at home i just want to say if you're not watching this on youtube.com slash thought cops you're goofing up you're missing out because we you're got fricked. a we got a nice new setup we got some microphone stands we and got, it's looking better every week we got an, uh, a wonderful new webcam donated to us by the wonderful dr peppercorn we were doing some twitch to the city to him yeah thank you dr peppercorn so yeah, we'll uh, we'll take it from there. I uh, want to give a warm welcome to a returning champion to this fine show, Ken Bone. How are you, Ken? Really happy to be. I, I'm really happy to be back. I do not have a better setup. I have my basement <laughs> with all of this shit behind me, and uh, my laptop balanced on top of an old bass amp that I am not sure still works. Well, we're just happy to see your bright and shining face just as much as America was back in the uh, the 2016 elections. Remember that, Grant? No. It was a long time ago. I blocked it out. Uh, Ken, part of the reason we asked you back on the show, actually, is because we did a listen back recently to our very first episode from the beginning of 2017. So this is like over 200 episodes ago. And believe it or not, you were the first topic that we brought up on the show within the first two minutes and we didn't even realize it until like two until weeks ago listen back yeah we listened back to it it was we're like, like reasons why we started the show number one ken <laughs> bone and it was just like and then for us to have you on it it felt like a full circle sort of thing you know yeah. it felt like the circle was complete you were there from the beginning you eventually came on you'll probably be there when both of us die i hope I hope so too. Standing over our bodies, <laughs> possibly. No, I don't want to. I don't want to take the show in that dark angle. Uh, yeah, this is this is fun. Yeah, we're having fun. So, Ken, um, you know, I feel like even since the last time we had you on the show, which is a little bit over a year ago, a lot has changed because at that time we were in the middle of the 2020 elections. And I want to ask you: Do you feel like uh, much has changed since then? Or do you think we're about at the same place, if not uh, possibly even worse? I think the only thing that has changed is that people seem to hate each other even more. Um, I, I, it's unbelievable to me that we took something as uh, as straightforward as a bunch of people getting sick and millions of people dying and turned that into more goddamn politics. Like we don't have enough politics. Everything is yeah. political now. Everything is political. Now, I I would say, yeah, I, I think that we were all hoping for a big change. And I mean, like there ha I think there have been like some small changes here and there behind the scenes. But like at, like every day now, it's like you just kind of wake up and you're like, well, we'll see what happens today. Give it give it a, the old college try. See what happens. And you go to bed and you're like, well, 
I gave it the old college try to see what happens, and uh, here we are once again, another day. But do you? Well, feel- you know, if, if you want to, if you want a big change, then electing somebody who's been in politics for longer than any of the three of us have been alive <laughs> might not have been the best move. I'm thinking that was uh, that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. Do you ever like just get get tired of just like? existence everything everything all the time yeah i'm almost 40 uh, that tends to happen as your body starts to break down especially uh i just turned 39 a couple of months ago my last birthday ever and i'm not sure if that's like one of those jokes like ah never turning 40 never admitting it or if i actually will have a freaking brain aneurysm before yeah next yeah September, yeah i, I was gonna we'll say that could have been a grim premonition here you heard it folks you heard you heard it here on thought cops first folks I mean, um, I yeah, I I feel like we've talked a lot recently on the show about like I think both of us or you're what thirty one, Kevin? Yes, and I just turned thirty, and I feel like that's been like a a sobering moment where it's like, oh, I'm like an adult adult now. Like this is depressing. Yeah, you moved into adult grade two, where if you sleep in your parents' house for too many nights in a row, it's no longer considered cute. Yeah, unfortunately, so. Uh, but yeah, um, so we're having you back on. Obviously, you're here. We're here. This is the show. Um, I, I feel like the response to you being on the last episode that you were on was overwhelmingly positive. Yes. Some people saying the best episode of Thought Cops ever. Some people saying the greatest episode of any podcast ever. That is true. Um, that is that is probably true. I've been on <laughs> dozens of podcasts. Yeah. But, you know, this is the best one. Obviously, Thank something you. that I Thank have been you. on is going to be the best. <laughs> and since this is the best podcast, that automatically elevates it. Like, I was on with Brett Weinstein one time. Oh, and really? he's like, oh, big deal. Intellectual dark web or whatever. Sure, sure. Holy shit, that's boring. He wanted to talk a lot about, like, real stuff the whole time. Uh, that was hard. That sucks. So this is way better. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be getting into some not so serious topics later on, but that's just you know the life, the culture we live in. We we have to put that in like our Twitter bio as like our tagline, like better than the Brett Weinstein podcast. Yeah. Shrug shoulders. Why not? Um. So yeah, I mean, we talked last time, and again, I don't want to rehash everything because if you didn't listen to the last episode, you missed out. Just go ahead and listen to that one too, because this is the sequel. We talked to you last time about your your rise to uh, your your 15 minutes of fame, so to speak, when you had that moment on TV with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And you just favorite characters, right? You just uh, I don't it was your your whole persona, like the the energy you were emitting. I think the like simply your name, Ken Bone. I think something about the whole package just really resonated with so many people and you became uh, a living breathing meme and to the even like i like i think we mentioned a little bit last time too to the extent that we knew people who were dressing up as you for halloween one of my roommates did yeah yeah so (laughs) (laughs) i mean if i was in your position i might think the same thing and i mean i know um i was listening not soon after you were on our show you were on one of our friends show uh drink a drink a beer do a podcast i always beer play a game drink a beer play a game um i remember that one that was a great one they're power hour podcast they're great guys um and i i know you mentioned like hating the red sweater and like when you you said something along the lines of like when people 
want you to wear it, you're like, do you want to interview me or do you want to interview like a cartoon character? And like how it's been a couple years now, you know, since since that moment on TV. How weird is it to think that that cartoon character is in a way you and that like how much distance do you feel like how much of a relationship do you feel with the idea that people sort of place upon you versus like how you actually feel like you embody like what so many people saw in you, you know? I think there's a complete disconnect because most people either view me as like, you know, the horrible evil guy that the New York Post said I was because they like digging through people's internet history mm -hmm, right. or as some kind of paragon and super nice guy. I'm just like a regular dude who kind of has a temper and gets tired of shit sometimes and I don't feel like I'm always going to work and then I get home and, you know, I got an 18-year-old kid as a senior in high school, so that's its own drama. And it's just like anybody else, any other out-of-shape, middle-aged guy. That's the real me. Um, and then the, the, you know, the perceptions of me, the, they just don't feel real. So when I see, like, you know, videos with me in them or whatever, I'm like, that's not even me. Right. And I want to go on record and I'm going to say I prefer Ken with the gray t-shirt than the uh, red sweatshirt because this is authentic Ken Bone, the right. real Ken yeah. Bone. Yeah, this is from my work uniform. It is uh it's fire retardant and everything. How about that? That's pretty that's that's basically tech wear, folks. Um Yeah, it's it's safe as shit. <laughs> I do feel like um though that as as time sort of goes on as it does um and as some of these cycles play out and especially with some of the more depressing um some of the more depressing aspects of modern day culture in America um i do feel like every time i see you come up in any sort of way there's almost sort of like more of an appreciation for like that aspect of like what you're talking about you know like that distance of like what the internet sort of like has portrayed you as versus like really how you feel about that. Like for instance, I was watching that, uh, the New York, not the New York times, the New Yorker documentary that they put out, I think actually a month before we had you on last year, somehow I missed it, but, uh, it was like a very touching sort of sobering thing to watch. And I was like, really sort of surprised by like going through and reading the comments on the YouTube channel about how people were like, yeah, we, we, we not only need Ken bone, but we need more of like the real Ken bone. Like you're, you're sort of like grappling with this character and like how that's sort of like a reflection of like what people actually want out of society versus what they're getting with like this over memification and how everything's sort of like commodified and something like that. And I, I do feel like there is part of that aspect to you that has tapped into a lot more people than maybe any of us realize. Yeah. There are a lot of folks out there that see me for what I really am, which is just like a real thoughtful human being, uh, which I, I appreciate quite a bit. And the filmmaker that made that documentary, her name's Savannah Guthrie. Uh, it is easily my favorite project that I've ever been involved with through all of this. She did a, a phenomenal job. It was very good. And I feel like the story that she told on screen is exactly the story I was trying to tell in all of her interviews well, and cool. chats yeah. with me, uh, not just the ones on camera. So I, I don't feel like, you know, a lot of filmmakers tend to do whether they do it consciously or not. 
uh, can like twist things or, or make, uh, make a different narrative out of what they shoot. I don't feel like she did that at all. Uh, she did an amazing job and she's, uh, just a really, really nice, uh, young lady. She was a lot of fun to work with. Uh, her dad is actually, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Uh, not like Mr. Terrific or something like the guy from Shark Tank, Mr. Oh, Wonderful. Sure. Oh. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, but she never told me that. I, I didn't find that out until later. So she wasn't like trying to play off of her dad's fame or money or anything. She was trying to legitimately make a go of a filmmaking career. Sure. She and wasn't name dropping anybody uh, like, oh, guess who we hit on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no one heard of him. Um, but I also want to ask you too, that obviously, like you mentioned last time, things were crazy for you for a while when you were being sort of, uh, a lot of people were approaching you. They wanted you in this project. They wanted to talk to you about that thing, this topic, that topic. Do you feel over time, especially now that we're, you know, past 2016 elections, past the 2020 elections, do you feel like things have sort of, uh, normalized for you kind of going back to where they were before that to some extent? Oh, for sure. The only thing that I really still keep up with, uh, like Ken Bone fame wise, I'm still on Cameo. Uh, and oh, I get booked okay. for, you know, like a half dozen Cameos a week. Uh, Cameo is a, a really cool service. It's, I always thought it was kind of wild. And when I explain to people what it is, they're like, they give you money for that. I'm like, yeah, some, some random person wants me to tell, uh, their fantasy football opponent that he sucks and they give me $20. I'm like, you can't, so you can't, you can't say no to that kind of work, you know? doesn't get easy yeah it's i can do that all day uh there's a bunch of like you know legit big stars on there that do it yeah uh, and some of them make make absolute bank like i make a decent side hustle money off of it uh but they make huge money there's a couple guys in the like the wwe that say they wrestle on the side and their real money is working on cameo that's Man, insane that is wild like i knew it paid w- well enough for people who are famous but to the point that it can actually replace your main gig as a source of income yeah, the thing that you're known for yeah. isn't making you the money anymore it's the other thing which yeah. i mean like i i guess it's nice in a way because you're engaging with the fans the people who really love your stuff the most and it's like a you know it's one-on-one like i i um like our friend slime got a uh cameo for his birthday the other day oh yeah yeah, from, yeah. Uh, robert picardo i think it was and it was just like cool because it's like the guy was like he seemed like it wasn't just phoning it in he was uh, going through and talking about oh you like this movie i was in oh that's really cool you know i wouldn't expect right. it from someone your age and stuff like that so i've never bought a cameo yet um but the idea of it is uh very interesting and that's cool. You're you're still you're still getting mileage out of that after uh, ha- however long too. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much the only thing I still do. I, I got a couple of friends in local radio that I go on with every once in a while. But at this point, you know, I've known them for so long and I've been on so many times. It's mostly because they just think I'm a fun guest. It's like only tangentially related to sure, uh, sure. You know, the old Ken Bone stuff. Uh, so most of that's is back to normal. I almost never get recognized in public anymore. Uh, which is fine by me. Uh, so yeah, Take, yeah, most of that insanity is over with. Are you uh, are you still doing the Bone Zone podcast? Yeah, I ended up uh, putting it on the shelf. I haven't done it for a while. It was really just like an excuse for me and my good buddy from high school to do something together. Uh, but he okay. graduated with his master's degree, and he is too busy now. He has like a real he has like a real big boy job and all that. An adopted kid and two. Uh, you know, two teenagers. 
sure, uh, sure. and a baby, you know, so he can't really keep up with the podcast. I'm like, well, I don't really want to really do it without him. Yeah, too busy to podcast? Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Couldn't either. imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that, like, uh, you say the thing about, like, you're not really getting recognized too much anymore or anything like that. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting in the documentary, like, do you ever feel like you sort of, like, miss that aspect in a certain sort of way? Because I know you said something along the lines of, like, you know, there's this huge sort of mental toll that comes with that sort of like meteoric rise to stardom, or I guess meteors really fall more than they rise. I guess maybe that's sort of inherently <laughs> part of the definition. Um, where do they come from? Where meteors? where do oh, meteors well, very come much from? so? There's right magnets. How do they work? But uh, really, you. it's uh, it's definitely like that because like I, I've been in stadiums before where they'll put me up on the jumbotron and. 20,000 people will start going out of their mind and screaming and cheering for me wow. instead of for like the sporting event or the concert or whatever. And that is addictive. There's a reason why people who were on TV in the 80s, now they degrade themselves by going on, you know, and doing guest bits on these like clip shows of, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos ripoffs where Danny Bonaducci will make fun of some guy falling and busting his ass. Uh, right, right. They're chasing they that high. Like they have to be in the limelight. Right. Yeah, and for some of those folks, I really feel for them because, especially if you were like a child star, what did you ever learn to do other than be an actor? And then you got typecast, and then yeah. you got addicted to coke or whatever, right. and became a parody of yourself, and what can you do? Can you go work at UPS, and then everybody at UPS knows that you're Danny Partridge, and they give you shit every day? That'd be awful. So it's like the only option available to, to folks in that situation. I mean, I'm surprised we're actually not talking more about like th how addicting the dopamine hits can be, especially nowadays, right, because right. like the the behaviors and actions that do get reinforced by literally anybody now, because anybody can be on social media and you could say the dumbest shit or say whatever. And if, if you get that like thrill of like, oh, people are looking at me and like, right, right. and like, you know, patting me on the back. And I don't know who all these people are. And I've never had anything like this before. It's, it's this is awesome. And then you don't get that. And you're like, well, I'm addicted to that thrill and how good it made me feel. Right. How do I do that again? And you just double down on whatever it was that made you in that place and like, to begin with. Yeah. And I do feel yeah, like looking and seeing like seeing like that you've got thousands of likes on Twitter or whatever. What does that mean in the real world? Absolutely nothing, mm -hmm. except that it makes you feel good. It activates, you know, dopamine receptors in your brain. And you're like, I, I just got to keep doing it. And yeah, I, I feel kind of fortunate that I didn't get sucked into that for life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, again, another topic that relates to this is just we're not talking about the responsibility that would come with that. Like, I think it's important because, and I, I, I've heard people speak out on this before too, who they reach a certain level of success and then maybe like, you know, it seeps into their personal life. It affects their actions and stuff. And just the like people who was like, you know, no one was telling them no for however long and how they just sort of had to humble themselves or ground themselves to reality in some sort of way, because it's like, I, it feels like so necessary and it's just not something that's being talked about. So, yeah, I feel like, um, like sort of in addition to what you're saying, it's like, there's no real, 
with with the internet the way that it is in terms of like just anybody can do anything and get known for anything at any point for any reason like one no one's really prepared to deal with that nothing prepares you for it to be sort of in the fray of all this and to like have all this attention and stuff like that which is like a lot of times we do the show that we do and stuff like that and it's like i do feel like there's an aspect to me that's like, I don't want to be too hard on certain people because it's like, I've most of us have not been in that position where it's like 800,000 people on the internet fucking hate you for and no that's, reason. And that's you know, something I think that we've at least tried to bring a little bit of light to with the show where there are those people who they're, you know, quote unquote, easy to dunk on because they're, right. you know, they're rich and they're famous and stuff. And yeah, there is an aspect of that that's like inherently shitty, but they are people. And then you have to understand that they have the same like, you know, responses in their brain to these moments of success and thrill and everything that's tied to it. Well, and where, then like, like, like Chrissy Teigen, we've talked about is a good example of right, that, where right. she's been bullied off Twitter so many times. And yeah, she says some dumb stuff, but I mean, like, and continues to, but yeah. like still, you know, and I, I think she says an, incredibly dumb out of touch things, but I try not to dunk on folks like that too hard either, right? because I've had like the tiniest 1% of a taste of what it's like to be them mm-hmm. just for a minute. And a lot of those folks got into it when they were really young and like, uh, like Ariana Grande, when she licked a donut, like she, it was probably like four years ago, right? Just imagine that you've been a child star and people have been heaping money onto you. And, you know, since you were like 16 and your brain was still part jelly, right? most right. kids are worried about who they're going to take to the prom. You're worried about finding an investment advisor for the $6 million record deal you just got and hoping that your parents don't steal the money or what the hell ever. You, your problems are on a whole different plane of existence. And then you have a bunch of sycophants around you who will never tell you no and never tell you anything you're doing is a bad idea for a couple of decades, you're just completely disconnected from real life at that point. Yeah, and I feel like um, sort of like more to the point, no one prepares you for that, but no one prepares you for like the aftermath of that either. And like there's a there's a quote from you in this documentary. Uh, Once you realize that your time is over, uh, you have to you have this thought in your head your whole life is this really all there is to life getting up going to work coming home eating dinner watching reruns going to sleep I'm gonna do that I'm going to do that again for forever um, that like that really hit me because there's there's times where like I've felt that you know where it's like we have sort of like a high with the podcast or like I have a TikTok video that takes off or like whatever it is like where it's just like oh this was really successful this works this makes me feel good and then like this constant need for validation afterwards that's like me trying to grip onto every single aspect of reality that is leaning me in that direction and almost sort of like nervously clawing at it and just being like holy shit i need i need this again i need this more and like i do i think that that's like to a large extent, like why you're sort of, you know, seeing more of this sort of positive resurgence of like, Oh, I'm glad he's speaking about this in the way that he's speaking about it. Because like, I think a lot of people are going through that because I do think that the internet just fucks with everyone's heads in like a very bad way. I agree. 
because you have the people who no, get- definitely I have, I have a speech that I do when I go when I go tour around schools and stuff, which before COVID, they, you know, I did. Uh, right. The speech mm. that I give is about empathy and how it is very difficult to have empathy through a screen, even though you guys look as real as you could possibly look through the screen. I can see your faces and everything. Most of the time when you're inter- interacting with somebody through a screen, it's just pixels. It's just words. And it's maybe a clip taken out of context or something. And it's hard to regard those people as real human beings. Uh, and so it's very difficult to have real human empathy for them. And as soon as you turn off the empathy switch for all your screens, it starts getting less and less easy to turn it back on for the real humans in your life. Uh, and it's, it's a serious problem that we're only beginning to see the effects of because we're Absolutely. only really in like the second or right. third online generation. You know, we're seeing the first generation, like my kid who grew up with this from infancy, basically. Uh, it's going to be. A, a very weird sociology experiment. And as far as like chasing the high of recognition and uh, validation, like any other high experience, it gets less and less intense every time. The first time I had to fly somewhere to shoot uh, a commercial, I was like over the moon. It was the coolest thing I had ever done. I was flying off to, you know, a different city. People were paying big money to have a crew of camera people around me. And oh my God, this is so great. By the tenth time I had done something like that, I was asleep on the airplane. <laughs> and as that, you know, for people that do that for a living, it just goes on and on and on and on. It's routine. Sure, sure. It's like clocking into work every morning. Uh, if you guys ever heard of Dan Bongino, the guy, he's uh, I want to be like Dan Bongino. Yeah, Sorry. he's like a, <laughs> he's a like a professional gambler. And oh, uh, is he really? I know like, he's like a like political formal, guy. Oh, oh no, wait. I'm saying the wrong last name. Dan uh, Bongino is the guy. Oh, Dan, Dan Bongino is the Dan, guy from like Dan from like NRA TV. Yeah, Dan Bilzerian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Bongino is a totally different guy. He's a political talking head. Yeah. Dan Bilzerian, the professional gambler and like former Navy SEAL or at least Navy SEAL uh, applicant, depending on who you ask for the story. Right. He's got like a bajillion dollars and a yacht and the perfect body and hot supermodels that he does coke off of their tits and whatever, any experience he wants, and he's miserable. The right. dude is always miserable. And he explained it really well. I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast once. That, like, when you're middle class and you and your wife dress up in your nicest clothes and go out for your anniversary to a restaurant that you normally can't afford, and you saved up a couple weeks for it, what an incredible experience to have cloth tablecloths and napkins and, you know, servers and busboys and people wiping off the crumbs. It's something you barely get to do. If he wanted to, he could fly to Paris to have lunch and then to Sydney to have dinner. So where's the novelty? Where's the experience that he wouldn't otherwise get to have? And it was like a lot of people were like, oh, boo hoo, you're a bajillionaire and you get to have all these experiences. But when you uh, and he is a douchebag, I'm don't get me wrong. <laughs> right, but right. when you look at it from that perspective, there is no possible novelty left in his life. There is no experience he could ever have that's going to reach the high that he that he used to have when it first started. That's uh that's a bleak way to exist. I would say so. I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still sitting here eating uh, eating my meals. Nobody's wiping the crumbs off my table. I'm still eating off filth, you know, and I'm yeah. loving it. You know, I don't want to be like that. Got nowhere else to go. Ba pa pa ba, but it's like um, yeah, I'm a lot sadder now. So, uh, 
Yeah, what I come onto the podcast forty minutes late, and then I bring everybody down. What a jerk! <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll steer this ship back on some kind of bullshit soon. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I just want to I want to end with this uh, this YouTube comment that I saw on the uh, on the comment section of the documentary, um, which again I I have to say was overwhelmingly positive. I think that a lot of people got a lot of positivity out of that. Like you said, it was a a very well filmed like uh like piece of art it it got out what you wanted out of it it really sort of hit the right tone and this uh this username louis armstrong commented said uh ken is the ultimate average american middle classer looks at screens all day down at the old power plant a, a more responsible homer simpson <laughs> Has a five bedroom house with a mortgage under one thousand a month. I don't know where he got this information. Yeah, he never worries about well, food or finance and knows what unit price is. He probably makes Facebook posts about going to Costco, <laughs> and it was like, is that about accurate, Ken? <laughs> well, I don't use Facebook, and uh, my All house only has four bedrooms, and my mortgage is a little more than that, but it is strikingly accurate. <laughs> I just I I saw that and it it couldn't not crack me up. That was just like the perfect. That was the perfect YouTube comment. I feel like we found it. The perfect yeah, YouTube we found comment. It. Well, Speaking a of uh, section, that's not just a cesspool. That's an accomplishment. Itself. That is very true. Yeah, I was no, going to say you mentioned YouTube comments, and I was starting to get nervous. No like, slurs. Oh, what is it going to be this time? Not a single slur to be seen. Uh, speaking of YouTube comments, so in YouTube, like I said, you can follow us over at youtube.com slash thought cops. All the video episodes go up on there. We also have been posting a lot of highlight clips and uh, moments from the show, moments from our Twitch stream, uh, a lot of fun stuff on there. I've been, I've been editing some stuff and really just honestly like sitting in my edit my editing bay and just laughing so hard at some of the shit I've been putting back up. Just taking family little, guy clips, taking some trips down memory lane. You know, it's a good time. So, yeah, uh, definitely follow us on YouTube if you don't already. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash thought cops once a week, probably on Wednesday. I don't know. It's not a promise. It's a self-obligation. Yeah, but it's been fun to get back into streaming because we fell out of it for a while. Uh, we were really into it during the lockdown. Things opened up. Now we're like, you know, starting to kind of return to that because it's a cool way to just like hang out with the people who listen to the show and like play some games, watch YouTube videos, play some. You right. Know, you were playing some Flash games yesterday. It's a lot of fun. Bloons Tower Defense 3. So yeah, check it out and uh, definitely follow us on there if you haven't already, because yeah. like I said, we're going to try to commit to doing that at, at least once a week, at I least once say. a week. Yeah. But let us move on to a very famous, very favorite segment of the show called Two Minutes of Hate, where we like to blanket punish all that annoying random crap that I see on my phone every time I open it, every time I look on my computer screen. I'm, th I'm sitting there. I'm thinking I got some content for the show. I'm getting pissed. I'm getting angry. Now, I got a Two Minutes of Hate this week that I think is going to be a little bit controversial, actually. Uh, my two minutes of hate this week is Letterboxd. You familiar with this website, Ken? Letterboxd.com. It's like a film review site. You can make an account, post all your... You can rate movies, post reviews of movies, everything you see, log it all. I have not used it, but I am familiar with it. Sure, sure. And then Grant, you don't have an account down there, do you? No. I, I don't need more... Like, 
Ken mentioned uh, about like too many platforms. Like I, I don't need more platforms, you know? Right, right. And like I too many things. I got back into it somewhat recently because it's kind of like a nice way to make a watch list, keep track of all the movies you want to see. That's not dedicated to any specific streaming platform. And then, you know, it's kind of fun to rate stuff and like log stuff. But then I was like thinking, I feel like it kind of ruins the viewing experience in some way because and like, don't get me wrong. I love like seeking out new stuff all the time. And I have like, I have a list of like all different kinds of media that I want to sure. get to, but it does feel a little bit like homework when you feel like you're just crossing things off of a list. Yeah. I, I did that with, I printed out the American film industry's like top 100 films of all time. And I remember in college, I was like, let me watch every single movie that's supposed to be the good movie. And I like got through the first 10 and I was like, I don't want to watch any more fucking movies from the 40s. I hate this. And I mean, it's like, it is a cool way, like I said, to experience stuff and you can see what your friends are watching. Sure. Like, I don't it's hate like Goodreads for movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's, I think uh, uh, Luke Taylor put up something once. He said it's like Goodreads for dumb people. Yeah, that's that's good. And I was like thinking about it because I was starting to get a little bit more active on there. I was logging the movies I was watching and a lot of people will post their reviews right after they watch the movie. And a lot of people are trying to be on there being funny. You know, they want to get like, I want to have the funny review. I'm going to screenshot movie. this and toss it on Twitter. Exactly. And like I was like sitting around, I was watching like, I don't know, like fucking like Demolition Man or something. And I was like thinking of what I was going to say on Letterboxd after the movie was over instead of just like enjoying the movie and letting it wash over right, me. Right. And I feel like that's not just a Letterboxd thing necessarily, but it's just sort of like a social media thing in general where I understand that there are people who are like movie critics, music critics, whatever. But just as a casual just, viewer, it feels like you're, when you're thinking of like, oh, what funny thing am I going to say about speed right. when I'm done watching it? It just like I, I I'm not really into that. I just kind of want to. It just feels like everything's commodified now. Right, Every single right. thing has to be like, I need to make a post. Everything is content. You need to diversify your content. It needs to be on different platforms. There needs to be different types of content. You need your opinion on everything at all times on all different platforms. And I'm scrolling yeah. through Letterboxd and I'm seeing all the reviews people are putting up in the movies that they've been watching. And I'm thinking to myself, like they were probably, again, having similar thoughts of I'm watching this movie what am I going to say? I can't wait to put up my hilarious like two sentence review of this movie and get however many likes from it. You know, again, going back to the whole dopamine addiction where you just want to let something wash over you sometimes and then just turn that part of your brain off because right. it is so exhausting. And I was also thinking in a similar vein of how I hear a lot of people who talk about how they love going to see movies and movie theaters more often because their reasoning is, oh, I like it because I can't look at my phone. They like being forced to not look at their phone because if you look at your phone at the movie theater, you'll be publicly shamed and scolded right, by the, right. the, the teenagers and the elderly who work there. But And I agree with them too. It's like that is the movie theater is one of the few places where you can't look at your phone or you're not it's, supposed it's to. It's literally a safe space. It, exactly. Uh, so I don't know. Ken, is that, does that resonate with you at all? Do you ever feel like you're like checking your phone too much and you're almost seeking out these opportunities where you can't look at it? Or do you feel like you got a better grasp of like, okay, I'm, I've checked Twitter for the day. I've checked whatever for the day. 
looked at my email. I'm going to put it away. No, I uh, absolutely get what you mean. I have, I have to consciously put my phone someplace where I can't reach it to mm-hmm. keep it out of my freaking hand. Uh, even when I'm watching something that I really want to engage with. Like right now, I'm watch- I really love the book series, The Wheel of Time. And Amazon just put out their adaptation. Episodes are coming out every week of The Wheel of Time. And it is, depending on who you ask, it's either okay or it is horrible. Uh, there's not really very many people saying that it's awesome. I'm yeah. kind of in the okay camp. But the whole time I'm watching the episode that came out today, when I was supposed to be logged in to Discord and doing this uh, podcast, <laughs> and I forgot that it was today, I watched the first 40 minutes of this week's episode. And I'm thinking like, oh, they changed this, they changed this, they changed this. I cannot wait to get on the Wheel of Time subreddit and just have a freaking hate boner right. for all of these changes from the books. And it then all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I missed an entire scene. I now need to rewind it to yes. watch it to see if I hate that too. I, I'm right there with you too. And like, don't get me wrong. Again, it's nice to vent with people. Like, you know, there's like some camaraderie, like there's a community around it. Like even like Letterboxd, there's like, you know, you can meet people on there. You can, you know, see your friends and what they're watching and you can watch what they watched. But again, like you said, like I, I find myself more than ever like my attention span feels so bad and I have to go back and rewind stuff even if I'm not even looking at my phone because I was like thinking about what I was going to say about the thing I'm watching to, you know, whatever stupid social media platform there is. And it's just like, I don't like it. it I, I don't. It, it's exhausting. Do you ever wonder if that's where, where like bad takes keep coming from? If like the reason why so many people have so many bad takes about media nowadays is just because everyone's thinking about the take instead of like absorbing the movie into their head. And everybody you wants know? to be different. They got to have like, well, they may everyone have- has to be contrarian. Everybody yeah. has to be special. And it's just like how many times do you just watch a movie and you're just like, I like this. I like this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And then you just don't like, you know, and I'm not even like, don't get me wrong again. I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know, like let people enjoy things. It's just more of the, again, addiction that we have to everybody feeling like they have to have a platform for every fucking thing. Every opinion needs to be voiced at all times regarding everything. Right. And I not only that, but everything is political. Sorry, go ahead. Totally. Well, you can notice the phenomenon even with like professional movie critics. And I notice it a lot when like a critic that I'm watching one of their reviews, they'll be like, and then this happened and it made completely no sense because they never set it up. I'm like, wait, yeah, they did. They set it up in this scene and this scene and this scene. But you were so busy thinking about how pissed you were, you mm-hmm. didn't even notice that they had actually done a good job. Like you wanted to hate it because hate gets more clicks Yep. so much that you missed the point of the thing you were watching or you missed the setup or the context. Uh, and so, of course, the scene when the payoff came made no sense to you because you weren't paying attention. You were convincing yourself that it was going to suck. Yeah, you were on Twitter in your head. And it's just, yeah, it's just so aggravating. So, uh, my, you know, like I said, I, I was watching a movie and I, I think that as soon as I had that thought, I was like, I don't really want to use letterboxd anymore. Like I'll use it for like a watch list, like keeping track of what I, you know, want to see. But otherwise I, I don't feel the need to have to comment on everything right away. And we even have like, we have a bonus spinoff Patreon show called fire bros. We review all different kinds of media on there. And I used to take notes for that when I would watch movies or TV shows, we come back and review. And I kind of stopped doing that too, because I was just like, I just want to let it wash over me 
I want to feel what I need to feel from this. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about it with my friends. We're going to yeah, have a and good even time. that is like the setup is like, oh, it's you, me, our friend Josh, sometimes our friend Nico, sometimes. And we're just like sitting in a room chatting like, yeah, which is inherently chill. like it's almost like I can forget that the microphone's there because it's like we're just talking about the movie. And that mm-hmm. in and of itself is like this is a social activity. This is like there's a point to it. There's like camaraderie. There's like you know community there's like all these different aspects and it's like it's not just me leaving a snarky shittily written joke on a platform so that i can take a screenshot and then post it to twitter right because you're not present for the experience you know you're not it's like uh you know david lynch would always be like if you watched my movie on a phone you didn't watch my fucking movie yeah. And I know he's kind of retracted that, but again, I think that right. the addiction we have to the mentality of being on our phones is like keeping us from, like I said, being present. So right. my punishment letterboxed, my punishment is I'm rating your website one star and I'm not even leaving a review. I'm just leaving a one star review and I'm, uh, I'm logging off, I'm logging off. Brilliant. Ken. I got to ask you now, do you have anything you want to get off your chest or two minutes of hate? Anything you see that really bugs you? I do have two minutes of hate. My two minutes of hate is on Stan, uh, Stan culture, not my mm. uncle Stan, who I like very much. Of course. Uh, but as recently as yesterday, I saw somebody reply to one of my Twitter uh, uh, comments or one of my tweets and say, we still stand Ken Bone. I don't fucking want you to stand Ken Bone <laughs> because if you're old enough to remember what Stan was, it was a Eminem song about a crazy fan named Stan who was obsessed with Eminem so much that he drove his pregnant girlfriend off a bridge while he had her locked her in the trunk. Uh, he became violently and dangerous. And, and we're obsessed. embracing this now. And, right. Yes. We, we do not want to embrace this. The hero worship culture of celebrities, especially dumb, low-tier celebrities like me or like a bunch of reality TV jackasses, they do not deserve that kind of devotion. That's the kind of devotion people used to give, I don't know, Jesus, and they're they're giving it to some rando, uh, just some nobody on the internet because you recognize their face. I recognize that every once in a while, I'll say something quasi-intelligent. That does not and should not earn me anybody's blind devotion. And I know that it's just a term they're using because like, oh, it's a synonym for like now. No, it's not. As uh, as a lot of people in a lot of political movements like to remind us, words have meaning and we should remember what words mean. So we do not stand Ken Bone. We do not stand Joe Biden. We do not stand Bieber or anybody else. You should not stand anybody because it is unhealthy. You can admire people for what they do, and that can be the end of it. Yeah. I mean... So my punishment is to put them in a car and lock them in the trunk and I'll drive <laughs> off a bridge. Appropriate. Going back to the roots of uh, the original Stan. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Clear and succinct. Concise. Now, Grant, what's your two minutes of hate? Um, so we're, we're getting ready to record this podcast, as we do every week. And... Um, Something happens that seems to happen a lot. There seems to be a trend, you know, um, pretty hungry. Uh, me and my girlfriend go on the Uber Eats app and order some Uber Eats. We get Portillo's, a Chicagoland staple. 
delicious. One of the one of the greatest chain yet not a chain but like a chain like one of one of Chicago's great exports. Got a bad feeling where this is going. Portillos, you know. And we order it and they they drop the food off and something is wrong. There's no there's no cake. There's no cake in the order. Did you order cake? We ordered cake. And the, yeah. y- and you didn't get cake. There was no cake. And you paid for the cake. We paid for the cake. There was no cake. Now, I don't care. You know, it happens. Someone messed up and I can forgive that. But I have to be honest, the amount of times that I've ordered food on one of these apps and the amount of times that they have gotten the order right is literal zero. I was going to ask you if you happen to see your delivery driver like licking chocolate off their fingers. I mean, that would be funny. And that would also explain the problem because I feel like the problem is that I don't know what the problem is. That is a problem. That's the problem. And here's the thing. Like if the driver stole the food, whatever. If Portillo's forgot the food, whatever. If Uber just did something wrong, whatever. But I don't know what it is, but it's never right. It's always wrong. There's always one or two things that are missing. And then like, here's here's the the mind-blowing part is like, if you were to go to the restaurant and you were to order food and you were to be like, oh, I you forgot my cake. They'd be like, okay, here. And that'd be it. And maybe you get even an extra piece. Because- maybe you get an extra piece. Maybe you get whatever. But here's the thing. You go on the app and you go, hey, uh, you guys, somebody forgot my cake. I don't know who did it, what happened, but just like, can I just have my money? And they keep track of how often you do it. And actually, so my girlfriend took a screenshot of this and it says, we've refunded you the price of the cake. Our records indicate you've requested multiple refunds recently. Because of this, we may be unable to help with the refund request in the future. It's like, okay. what good are you? You're taking all of my money. You're delivering a subpar product where you're forgetting something. Every single fucking meal that I order, yeah. something's forgotten. Something's missing. This is costing me money. The CEO of these companies are worth $200 trillion. They're making hand over fist. They're paying their drivers less than minimum wage you they pull up to a restaurant where people are themselves are working there for minimum wage and you go hey somebody forgot my cake can i have my money back and they go they've forgotten your cake too many times you can't get any more money and it's like but you are the one that's on the on the rectangle you're the person that's inside the rectangle. You did this. You give me my money. I don't even want my money from Portillo's. I don't give a shit about Portillo's or the driver. You did this, Uber. You, you're you the person in the rectangle. You fix it. You fix it. Can you kind of you get this kind of service out there? I know maybe, maybe this is just a city thing, you know? Maybe they're all... No, it there's is. too much traffic. I don't know. It's everywhere. We use DoorDash uh, more often here than we do Uber Eats because there are just more drivers. Uh, but it's the same problem. The last time I had a big problem, uh, we had DoorDash some Little Caesars, which I know is like the bottom barrel <laughs> of like, oh my God, you're too lazy to go get pizza that's already freaking made and sitting in a hot box. Well, yeah, I did it. I want uh, no shame. hot and ready no shame. pepperoni and some breadsticks 
and a two liter of Mountain Dew. And the guy doesn't bring my damn two liter of Mountain Dew. So I text the driver and I'm like, hey, do you have a two, mount, two liter of Mountain Dew in your front seat? Because you can turn around, you're probably at the end of my street and if I can bring it back to me. And uh, he's like, oh, no, I don't have it. Okay, well, can you get it taken off my bill? No. You got to talk to DoorDash. I'm like, okay. So I try to go on the DoorDash app. I'm getting nowhere. The whole appeal of DoorDash and Uber Eats and all these is supposed to be I don't have to interact with any human to get my damn food. That's right. why I'm willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money it's ridiculous. for food that is that is now soggy and cold. Just so I don't have to deal with putting on pants and going to get and telling a, a human what I want. So I end up having to talk to a person. They're like, oh, sorry, we can't refund you because basically I can't prove that there's no Mountain Dew in my house. So I'm like, all right, fine. Jesus. So I call Little Caesars. I'm like, hey, they didn't give me my Mountain Dew. I want some Mountain Dew. And the guy's like, well, I can't take it off your bill because that's DoorDash, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you can come into the store and get it. I'm like, oh, well, now I'm going to leave my pizza at home. It's going to get nasty. I can go into the Little Caesars store and get some Mountain Dew. You know what? Fine. I will. I drove to Mount to uh, Little Caesars and I grabbed eight two liters, as many as I could hold in both arms and walked out. I thought the cops <laughs> were going to come after me for Mountain Dew theft. But the, the poor girl making minimum wage at the front desk saw me and she was just like, whatever. Yeah, you yeah. take it. She probably, it's all you. She probably didn't even know I wasn't the guy, you know, that I was the guy <laughs> from the phone. I might have just been some dude coming in and stealing all their Mountain Dew. And she's like, whatever. I don't get paid enough to do stop loss for yeah. freaking little. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It just and it it's costs made so damn much. It's it, made it's everything like, worse. Like you said, it's it's more expensive. Everything's worse. Nobody knows who's culpable to who regarding what. There's no stipulation. And like even the Uber Eats app does not allow you to I don't think I could be wrong. I can't remember. I don't think that you can ask for a request. You have to go, you have to like go onto the website. There's no part of the app that's like, hey, you fucked up my order. Could you just take care of it? You have to like go onto the website and file a claim. Like it, they they do steps removed yeah. so that they don't have to do it more. Despite the fact that, in my opinion, they're culpable because I didn't tell Portillo's what my order was. I told Uber what my order was, and somehow Uber got it wrong because I didn't get my order. I didn't call Portillo's and say, "Hey, I want this," and then they failed to deliver. I told Uber to tell Portillo's to tell the driver to pick this up and bring it to me. And I didn't have it. And I'm going to ask you the question once that in I a think- while, once in a while is okay. But when it happens constantly and it happens so much that they're like, Hey, we fucked, we fucked up your order so many times that we can't give you back any more money. Like one of the previous times that we had to ask for a refund was because I found a staple in a piece of sushi. Jesus Christ. They fully refunded that order, but that counts towards we gave you too many refunds. You almost killed me. Uh, Just give me the $6. Yeah, that's backwards as fuck. Now, I'm going to ask ridiculous. you, I'm going to ask you the question that I think every listener wants to ask you right now. Have you considered just going yourself? If it's if it's if it's causing you this much pain and suffering, have you considered going well, to it de- Portillo's it depends on, on your it own? It depends on which which place you're ordering from, okay. of course. Because yeah, okay. I mean, there's places that are close by that I can just walk to, but not every place is. You know, not every place is open all the time, but sometimes they still do delivery and stuff like that. So it it depends because it's not like I'm ordering from the same. That's another thing. I'm not ordering from the same place every time, but still somehow everything's always fucked up and I don't get why I don't know who's doing it. I want it to stop. 
too many middlemen. I think that's what it is. There's too many people like there's the driver, there's the the Uber company, then there's the restaurant. It's just there. And like somebody's got to figure it out all through a screen. It, it's just I mean, it's definitely it sounds like there's way more mistakes than should be happening. But it's every it, time. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't think ridiculous. I've ever gotten a correct order from Uber Eats. I don't think it's ever been right ever once. And again, I'm fine. I just want to know who to yell at. Uh, Uber, for sure. Uber is the one that should be assuming the risk in this situation because they are the go-between. They yeah. are raking in all this money while providing nothing except right. for the server space and the app that allows you to connect the driver to the restaurant to you. Right. Uber has no human being in this process. All automated. They should be able to be the assumers of risk in this situation because they're making this money for nothing. But they're right. not. They're just tacking on a bunch of fees and then the restaurants also have to raise their prices because Uber's shaving money off the top of your ticket also right. in addition to what you're paying. And their drivers are independent contractors, which means that Uber doesn't claim any responsibility for them or their conduct or their well-being. So they're getting hosed. Uh, so it just stacks up money. Like we went out the other day, me and my wife, to a steakhouse, pretty nice steakhouse. And she was like, wow, kind of a special occasion. You know, we can't eat out like this all the time. And I'm like, they've compared to what we pay to get fucking Taco Bell left on right. our front door. We could come here literally every day. Like it's like the same amount of money to get, you know, fast, casual quality food dropped at the door mm -hmm. as it is to have quasi fine dining and you actually go you just had to go right. you just had to be there now grant i'm going to ask you what is your punishment i know this is a personal thing for you so i want to you know give you this time and this space to really lay it on thick uh uber pays more taxes i don't know raise the marginal tax rate for top earning companies i don't know <laughs> And you and you think alternative that, minimum tax? Yeah, you think that'll hold, that'll hold them to like a higher responsibility? No, I just I just think fuck them. That's that's all I think. Honestly, I, I, just fuck them. Like my my whole thing with like a lot of the stuff where people are like, oh, you tax people more, they pull the prices more, despite the fact that like you know, yeah, prices are high as they need to be, and for some people, taxes are the lowest they've ever been ever. And the whole thing is like, well, I don't care if this is fair or not. I just want to see some people punished. I want to see some some metaphorical Minecraft heads roll. And when people go, oh, you can't raise my taxes. I go, I want to raise specifically only your taxes, comma, the CEO of Uber. I want a 100% effective tax rate. I want all of your money gone and I get free Portillo's cakes for life. That's all I want from you. You so pay for it. You want to have your cake and eat it too. That's all. That's I'm what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Sorry, but Ken. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to. We're getting into political stuff, which yeah. I. Uh, that's my sphere. And I think like uh, they always do tell you like, well, corporations don't pay tax because they just pass that all along to their customers. Yeah. Well, we just had the greatest upward transfer of wealth in the history of humankind with the CARES Act earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, the people, we the people, only got between 18 and 24% of that money, depending on who you ask to do the books. Corporations and the ultra-rich got the rest. And what did they do with the money? Uh, we're buying back stock. We've got supply chain limitations and record high prices on a bunch of shit. And you got companies buying back billions of dollars in their own stock, taking it out of the market, 
which basically fucks us 401k holders and stuff even more. Uh, so we're getting it from both ends. The prices are going up and they're getting record profits and buying back more of their own stock. So, uh, yeah, hell with them. Raise their taxes. Yeah. And yeah, there's part of me that's like, yeah, there's a policy issue that can be addressed. But honestly, I'm just I'm scorched earth policy. Oh, you're you're going to uh, be sad. You're, you're going to piss your pants a little. You're going to maybe shit and come because people raise your taxes. Oh, well, we raised all of your taxes. All hey, of my them. taxes are pretty high. I live with it. I, I pay a higher effective tax rate than any rich person. Yeah. Um, I'm paying right now in federal and state taxes, not counting property tax, not counting sales tax. I'm paying like uh, 24% of my gross pay has come out in tax deduction this year. I was just looking at a paycheck stub earlier this week. 24%, and that doesn't count any of the other taxes. Plus, I'm probably going to end when I, or oh, when I file my income tax at the end of the year. That is criminal yep. considering that you got billionaires paying like 2%. I love that too, living in the state of Illinois where people are like, you can't raise the taxes on billionaires because they're going to leave. And it's like, I leave. I don't want you. Yeah, Get good, out. I don't want you here. Good riddance. But speaking of good riddance, yeah, let's get on to our uh, main segment of the show. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't listened to Thought Cops before, if you're here for Ken Bone, every week we investigate the internet's outrage-inducing news stories and we sentence each perpetrator to a cruel and quite often unusual punishment. Uh, Speaking of billionaires, is this the, the one we're going with? I think we should talk about this. Yeah. So uh, new. So Grimes and Elon Musk, they broke up. We all know it. We've all spent uh, a lot of time crying over it. Uh, so Grimes released a new song uh, that declares Elon Musk as the greatest gamer, but a crappy boyfriend. It's one of the lines in there. Greatest gamer, but a crappy boyfriend. No, I know yeah, a lot of whatever. I bet he wouldn't. I bet he wouldn't one v one me and shot at you know uh, shoddy snipers. And yeah. you you think so? You think you're a great gamer and also a great husband? You know, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, that's. I, I think am that's not fair. a great gamer, but I guarantee you, Elon's not either. What he's great at is fleecing people out of their money uh, using companies that seem innovative but actually hemorrhage cash every quarter. And he's another one too. Like, what, what was that like? He responded to Bernie Sanders or something. He's like, oh, you're still alive. And he's saying that we shouldn't tax the billionaires because they have to go to space. He's right. I can see no arguments. I mean, that again, though, it's like uh, Ken was saying, if your whole life is you can fly to Australia and eat dinner and fly back the next morning, eat breakfast here. Where else do you go but space and then fuck everybody else? But when yeah. Jeff Bezos came back from space and he literally said, I want to thank all the Amazon workers because they paid for this. That was his words. That's a fucking quote. Yeah. That's all you need to know about the billionaire class. He's okay as long as he gets to do 20 minutes of space tourism. He's okay with all his workers having to pee in bottle. Right. Yeah. So you, you got the lyrics pulled up here. Grant. I have the lyrics pulled up. There's... Should I just do a dry read of well, that? Well, there's a, the, the, middle, the middle chunk is okay, the yeah, what's important chunk. here. It says, uh, I'm in love with the greatest gamer, but he'll always love the game more than he loves me. Oh, oh. Sail away to the cold expanse of space. Even love couldn't keep you in your place. But can't you love me like that? Can't you need me like that? If I loved him any less... 
I'd make him stay. But he has to be the best player of games. So not exactly vague. You know, we all know who she's talking about. Um, the gamer king himself. The gamer king himself. Elon Musk. I wonder well, how I don't he feels blame about Elon this. Musk for... He doesn't express his love properly because his species doesn't have the concept of romantic love. So it's yeah. not really his fault. I, you know what? I bet he's so vain that he probably thinks that song is about him. <laughs> I, 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 I'm willing 10, to bet. Like 10,000 bucks. Somebody gave Carly Simon like 10,000 bucks to find out who that song was about. And they had to sign an NDA that said they would never reveal it. But they got to have dinner with her and she told her who the song was about. That would be a nice treat. Just that little secret you can have where it's like everybody knows the song, but you're the one who knows the truth. So, I mean, yeah, this is obviously really stupid. Um, I let's, wonder. Let's go in a circle and everyone say their favorite Elon Musk uh, tweet. I'll go first. Uh, I heart emoji anime. That's mine. Uh, Kevin, you can go ahead. Uh, he What's your is, favorite? Elon Musk is the only person I have blocked on Twitter. <laughs> so I, I cannot say that I have a favorite in mind. Uh, this, the ones that I think of when I do think of him make me angry. So I try not to think of them or commit them to memory. Uh, so I'm going to pass. Well, his recent one where he was like, do you want me to sell a bunch of my stock? And they put out a poll and everybody's like, yes, fuck you. Yeah. That was pretty great. That was good. But I yes. I, I, I do want you to divest from your personal billions of dollars. So that becomes an income event. So you can actually be taxed on it like a real citizen. Yeah. Why not? Sounds fun. I love when everyone's like, oh, you can't tax them more because all their money is not liquid. Like, it's not, they don't just have money. You know, they got to sell some of their assets. And it's like, oh, he just sold a bunch of his assets and now well, it's money. My, my house is not money, but I have to pay four and a half percent of its value every year in a tax. So why don't they have to pay a tax on some of their assets? A house is by far the biggest asset that your average American has or will ever have. Well, it's not a very big asset for the ultra-rich. So we should be taxing their assets the same way the government is taxing my asset. My property taxes pay for roads and schools here in my county, as I'm sure your guys do oh, up yeah. there for your property taxes. So why aren't these ultra-rich people having to pay the same types of taxes that we are? Fuck them. So let's make it. Let's uh, have a clear, concise, and quick punishment for this one. Um, I say we take his controller away. He might cry. I don't know. He might I say they have it. to change their kid's dumb name. Yeah, yeah. we well, give their child a real name. I mean, he probably does have a real Honestly, name. Honestly, it's, it's like they just don't say it. They're, yeah, we call him Simon at home, but for the for I all intents and purposes, he's called like X five one two. I think three. they call it. I think they call the child. I don't even know the child's like gender or anything like i don't I, it's just the the child it's kid a but i think that they call it just x oh yeah this is, we, we take x to the playground or whatever he shoots off laser beams at the other like let's let's bring this up to a more a, a more a positive uplifting note so we're talking about breakups we're talking about divorce let's talk about the thing that brings people together marriage so ken are you familiar oh, with the metaverse uh yes i am this really uh, low poly, bad graphics, you know, kind of the thing you'd expect from one of the biggest companies or not the biggest company on the fucking planet has this virtual reality system that you can log into called the metaverse. So now there's a story going around from the New York Times this week 
about getting married within the metaverse. So the bride walks down the aisle, the groom's buddy made a toast, and there was dancing at the reception. And guess what? It all happened inside the metaverse. We have, uh, let me pull up, there is video or image of this. Let me, uh, let me pull this up real quick. So this is what the metaverse looks like. I think it looks incredible. This is basically the beginning of the plot to, uh, you know, Disney Pixar's WALL-E or uh, Ready Player One. And they're both horrible dystopian futures. And, you know, uh, our robot overlords are fucking pumped about it like it's the greatest thing ever. So I accidentally pulled up the wrong clip, if you believe it or not. But uh, so this was the actual... So I pull I played that that's from a movie called Rhapsody Kids. Um that was made in like 2000. And this is also from this, Rhapsody Kids, right? This is the metaverse, baby. This is what it looks like. Uh this is the New York Times article. The bride walked down the aisle, the groom's buddy made a toast. There was dancing at the reception. It all happened in the metaverse. Here's the bride and uh, groom. A blushing beautiful bride. Look at her. She looks Dude, like uh second life looked better than this. This looks like a second this dream is test. Terrible. Not great. Yeah, for the the training we make at work, you know, to make it less boring, we have like sometimes cartoon characters and stuff in it. Uh our whole company pays like 1100 bucks a year to use the software and it looks way better than that. That's what's so baffling about this. And that's what we've been talking about with the NFT stuff, too, because they made that cartoon we talked about last week where they animated these uh, NFTs people owned. And it looks like worse than an Adult Swim cartoon from 20 years ago. And I'm not saying yeah, it has is- to like, look immaculate, but it's like you would expect for the amount of money that these people are willing to pay for it, it would look better than like... It would look best- okay. It would look better than like any any disney movie any pixar movie out there you can think of but it looks like shit and so does this this looks like reboot that uh canadian tv yeah. show from about 20 years back oh yeah no it, it, honestly that's the that's the best analogy i've ever seen or i've heard so far because if you look at him like they do have that dead-eyed stare that they had right. in reboot where it's like let's cut reboot some slack though that was like you said a low budget CG animated and cartoon. And it was 20 years ago. From longer than that, from like Long- 1995. Oh, Jesus. And it somehow looks better than this. From also, that show Facebook. was dope. I don't, want to say, I don't want to say anything bad about that show. It was cool. Yeah, anybody, no, anybody remember that show that was like Into the Rift? Uh, sounds familiar. I feel like that looked very similar to this. That was also sort of like a early 2000s-y sort of it's not good that we're comparing it to such old fucking technology, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, but this has been one of those things everybody's been like screen capping on Twitter all week because it's like, again, I, it's, it's baffling at how how bad it looks, you know? Right. No, that looks like my me avatar from the Wii when I yeah. bought one in like 2006. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least that's more endearing than this, you know? Well, yeah, mine looked great. Tennis. It could have been my passport photo. <laughs> Oh, here's a funny little anecdote she has on here. So the bride says, uh, being a metaverse bride bride has other benefits. I'm always a size four, even in January, she says, and I never have a bad hair day in the metaverse. Yeah, this is definitely like uh, Wally. People are just going to be floating around in chairs being fed by tubes and living entirely in the metaverse. I mean, you know, we got a new Matrix movie coming out soon. And again, I would have thought that by now, 
I mean, I know the Matrix is kind of a cautionary tale in a way, but you would think that by now we would at least be a little bit closer to that. But maybe it's a good thing. You know, maybe we uh, we don't you know, want to be harvested as, as human batteries. If, if maybe the metaverse looked too good, we would never want to leave. But it looks like so it looks so shitty. We never want to go inside. And for that, I'm kind of thankful. Yeah. I just feel like for all of like the sci fi from like the 80s and 90s and like for so many movies and books and video games that existed for such a long time that there was this like highly stylized element of you looked at certain genres like cyberpunk or things, things of that nature. And you're just like, wow, at least things look cool now, you know, like that's a very, that's like the, the meme of the one guy where he's like looking at the thing and it's like, Oh wow, cool jacket that the protagonist is wearing and it's like, you know, dystopian future going over his head. There is an aspect to that where it's like, okay, whatever, you know, fine. I I get it, I see it, I admit it, but it's like, man, the future sure did seem a lot cooler back then than what the current future is now. This It's like a capitalist it hellscape. Sucks. It's like it's so shitty. It's, it's just everything's gotten watered down reality sucks it's not i don't even get a cool looking cyber arm that shoots lasers you don't get a cool looking cyber arm that shoots lasers you order food you order food on your computer and they forget your piece of cake i don't get sucks i don't get a katana that can deflect bullets what's the Uh, point you're definitely right like like if i was going to get married in the metaverse my you know my wife would have been like you know some kind of uh incredibly hot alien and I would have been Optimus Prime. I wouldn't have been sh- some schlub in a cheap tuxedo, poorly rendered on the computing power of my fucking digital watch. Because why not, right? Why the fuck not? And like you mentioned, like you could be anybody you want. It, like it really does somehow look even worse than VR chat, which again we've had around for uh, quite some time now. Yeah. Um. I want to bring up this real quick because this is. Within the vein, it's not just the internet, but I feel like TV has also become sort of like a weird victim to this. Over Thanksgiving, I was watching this TV show with my relatives called Alter Ego. And I don't know if anyone's heard of this show or seen this show. Never. It's basically, it's like American Idol, but they're like CGI like alter egos what is this on tv or like this is like this is after whatever channel the masked singer is on. i was gonna say this seems like the next evolution of masked singer it's right after the masked singer i watched it and it's called alter ego actually grimes is one of the judges on the show which makes a lot of sense um and i'm gonna pull up some images from this this looks terrible people were like commenting that like these characters look like really shitty, like World of Warcraft. Here's yeah. the here's the cast um, of the show. They look like they're World of Warcraft level, like 2002. Like they just look like garbage. What and do like, they, what do they do on the show? They, it's a singing competition. Oh, it's just a singing competition. But you make a cheap looking, shitty CGI character and yeah. you do you do you sing a justin timberlake song dressed as whatever the fuck this is i can't say i understand but i don't think i should try to understand um but i i do have a punishment though for this metaverse yeah. story i do have a punishment if you get married in the metaverse 
your wedding gets crashed by a bunch of those Ugandan knuckles. Hell yeah. Remember those the little guys? Racist knuckles. Yeah, those guys like those guys just like storm your wedding. Uh, these little tiny, cute little knuckles. They say, you know, it should be allowed. Whatever. But they show up and they just bombard. They, they, they drink too much. They make a mess. The whole thing's ruined. And you think maybe this whole metaverse thing isn't so great after all. VR chat looks yeah, way better than this. I was thinking something similar, only like, it, you know, in all your wedding videos, we changed the bridal march to the hamster dance. Bringing it all back to the whole, that's uh, just all this yeah. uh, Y2K era internet stuff. Yeah, honestly, that's everyone That's what the should. era internet was when I started using it. And it, it's it all been should, downhill since then. It should have stayed the same. It should have stayed the same. I'm still fucking listening to the Numa Numa guy. I'm still listening to Group X. It should all Look, it should I'm, all still be there. I'm a meme myself. The Numa Numa guy is like <laughs> our god. That's who I look up to. That's who all us memes idolize. Honestly, that's like the greatest thing you can aspire to is to be the Numa Numa guy. I mean, I was going to ask whatever happened to that guy. And for some reason, I'm like, maybe I don't want to know for whatever. I think he's who knows. I think he's in a band. His name's Gary Brawlsma. I think you can just like follow him on Twitter. He's still like around. He's just not known for that anymore. But like, he's still sure. just around just hanging out. I don't think he's done anything bad. So I want to move on to the next story we have here. Uh, COVID-19 spread more by men and loud talkers, according to this new study. It was a loud talker. Right. They, you know, I bring back my uh, Seinfeld for the modern age. And I got COVID, Jerry. Why? That's a that's a trite idea. She, yeah. As if we've never uh, discovered or looked into right. that before. So it says men and people who speak at louder volumes more easily spread COVID-19, according to researchers at Colorado State university so you know when i'm out here i'm doing my intro i'm screaming you know welcome to thought cops i'm of course all covid i'm being a loud and very toxic man and i'm also getting people very sick dude you're literally man spreading that's what i was going to say this kind of reminds me of like this is the new man spreading now but now they're trying to pin that we're like spreading a deadly disease. Right. Like we're not just taking up too much space on the train. Now we're killing people with our voices. According to this study from the Colorado State University. Which I mean like in all reality though it does make a little bit of sense. You know it's like I, I saw some other study. Uh, I think it was like earlier this year or sometime last year. Where they were saying that there was uh, you know certain countries where their language uses less uh hard vowel sounds or right. long vowel sounds had lower covid rates and they were thinking maybe that was because there's less of uh when you're talking to somebody those particles right. that are spread the maybe, ahs the o's the e's the oos sure, like sure. all you're expelling and your mouth is open and you know of course you know here in chicago we love our vowels and that's chicago. why that's why we're the sickest no i don't think we are um but like I said, it may, it makes some sense. I, I think that you know this is like this is probably well I've a heard, worthless study. I don't think I don't really see a lot of point to this. Like, what are we gonna do? You know, shut the fuck up. That's what you're supposed no, to. No, that's not gonna happen. Shut the fuck up. That's not gonna happen. Um, I have heard people this say, study, like, "Yeah, go ahead." This will get a lot of this will get a lot of researchers a lot more grant money because it got a million clicks. And that's the point of a lot of damn research these days. It's like, ooh, yep. what can we do? Well, it's about COVID. So everybody wants to read about COVID because it's not like we've been living it for fucking a lifetime. And uh, what else? Oh, uh, it's uh, a group that is traditionally not marginalized. It's like it has a lot of power. 
It says some shit is their fault. That's like the two greatest things you can do is blame someone, especially if it's someone that doesn't usually get blamed for shit. Uh, and then, uh, you know, talk about COVID. COVID is the fault of, of men because they have more lung volume. And then, of course, at the bottom of the comments, you have somebody like, how dare you say there are gender differences physically between men and women? And then, then it devolves from there because it's the end. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't even think about that angle. Right, right. Um, I... I'm more than willing to say that if you actually click this study and read it, that like if you read the byline of the study, it'll probably have some very acute scientific jargon that says more or less like we have reason to believe, but with minimal proof that this may be true in a certain capacity. And then you see this big fucking New York Post headline that's like, definitively true like how many is how many times has that happened to us on this show where yep. it's been like oh the study actually just didn't even say that it says here well, there were constant. significant we it yeah. says if there were significant differences after accounting for co2 between males and females and kids then you'd have to know how many males females and minors were in a room to estimate transmission risks our data suggests that you don't need to know that if you just measure the CO2 and noise levels because those measures are an equalizer for these different demographics. And again, and this all kind of sounds, sounds like, like a, a uh, non-answer to me. Right. Yeah, they took kind of a scientific approach. They hedged their results, which is a smart thing to do when you're doing especially a soft science uh, kind of study like this. And uh, yeah, then somebody sees it and they're like, oh yeah, COVID spread more by bed. It's just the same as articles that came out earlier in the week. Be like, ah, we're so much closer to fusion power. Are we right? Really? I would, right. I would love for that to be the case, but you know, those articles come out about six times a year that basically tell us we're each going to have a miniature sun in our basement to power our homes for twenty thousand years, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, we all watch Spider Man too. We know what happens. Yeah, you get some tale. of that precious tritium. Get that precious tritium and it accidentally cuts your wife to ribbons with glass. <laughs> I hate when that happens. That's the break. I, I, I hate really when hate that, that happens. It sucks. Uh, so I guess, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe you said it best. Uh, the best punishment is shut you just, the fuck up. Just shut up. You know, I don't have to man, scream if, the intro in the side of your ear every, every week. If, like, when people first, when we were first like, okay, there's a COVID, it exists, there it happens, COVID. there's a COVID, it's going around. If everyone would have just shut the fuck up, I think it would have been over. But instead, everyone was like, I'm going to go into an airport and not wear a mask and scream at the top of my lungs and get arrested. And it's like, now look at now look at us. If they yeah, would have just shut the if, fuck up. If I was going to be a political prisoner in my lifetime, it would be because I'm trying to get rights to the marginalized or stop some horrible injustice or something horrible had happened to me or my family and I wanted to bring light to it. Right. Not like, I don't want to wear a mask, so I'm going to let you drag me away kicking and screaming. I'm not in favor of police brutality ever. Except now. <laughs> Punch that guy in the side of the fucking head. I like the mask. I want the mask. I look like a cool ninja. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to look cooler than everybody. Now, I'm going to move on. Oh, let's, talk, let's talk about one more story here. I want to talk about this. This is related. And I just want to read this headline and gauge your guys' level of confusion. Uh, so this comes to us from a consequence of sound, scientific uh, research. Uh, it says, um, 
Hold on one second here. It says, uh, a new viral music project used computers to transform the genetic sequence of COVID of the COVID-19 virus into songs and then turn those songs into NFTs. Now, if that isn't the most 2021 headline there could ever be, I don't know what is. And what, what better way to round out 2021 than with just the most confusing, bullshit way to capitalize on tragedy by turning the virus into a song and that's not enough we got to turn the song into an nft that you can purchase on the blockchain grant this is right up there not as bad but getting close to george zimmerman auctioning off the gun that he used to murder trayvon martin trying to profit off of human misery yeah Yeah. i would agree with you it's not quite there but yeah it is it is very stupid it is adjacent in a way, in a, obviously same, not racially motivated same, way, but yeah. No, it, it's the same concept. But you take something evil and you think, oh, I could probably inject capitalism into this somehow to the benefit of no one. I think I, I can make a quick book. Uh, someone, I'm going to yeah, read a the statement The benefit here. of no one. But yeah, me. I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, I'm going to read a statement here from Ren Graves, uh, who is with Viro Music. They said, We tried out this whole music thing for a couple of millennia, and while it had a good run, it's now clear that humans just can't be trusted with melody and rhythm. As first and final proof, look no further than the new Viro Music Project, which used computers to transform the genetic sequence of the COVID-19 virus into songs, and then turn those songs into NFTs. Because if there is one thing this human-killing virus needed... It was a way to kill the environment, too. So it says they use a process called DNA sonification. Uh, It's a software program hunted through COVID-19's genetic code, looking for stretches of the RNA that could be translated into music. And then after that, an algorithm converts that RNA into musical notes. But the results didn't sound exactly like songs. So Viro Music brought in ringers real human musicians to accompany these near random melodies. I mean, like, yeah, I know, that sounds about right. I know there's like all these, you know, you want to like, there's kind of like people are doing cool stuff with like, Oh, you like, if you, if you like bringing the melody of a song into like physical form, like, I think I saw something like people do stuff like that with like a different, like underwater studies and like just the vibrations through the water. Like kind of, what is, what is Mars sound like? And it's like, we don't, you can't really just stick a microphone up there, but you can sort of like assess different signal lengths and be like, Oh, this is roughly like, what sure. Sure. Is. But it's like, like the Martian atmosphere is only 2% as thick as ours or less in uh, most places. So uh, it sounds like basically nothing. Exactly. There, give me some MF NFT money. Rolling in dough. So, I mean, this is like, again, just the most 2021 headline I could possibly think of. Yeah. This really rounds out the year. I can't wait to see what 2022 is going to sound like. I can't wait either. And I think that a good punishment for this is this should have been the soundtrack for that monkey cartoon we watched last week, Grant, the NFT monkeys. Yeah, just make everything. Well, what are they, I, I can never remember what the fuck they're called. Bored apes? It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I, I mean, don't care. They're running around and they're just... The soundtrack is the virus that is killing people. Here's, here's Because that just makes sense. Here's my... Uh, that does make sense, and that's a good point. Here's my punishment. I would like to add on to yours. Um, I would like to think that I am 
far be it from a political extremist. We all know me. I'm 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 leaning this way all the time. I'm leaning this way, but I want to bring people with me. I want to make the case for things. I don't want to say, hey, do what I want you to do. I don't want to say, think the way I want you to think. I want to say, hey, this is what I think. I think that other people should think that. And I would like to see more people think that. And I don't really want to force people to think that. But I would like more people on the side of what I think that some people should think. Uh, I think we just should make NFTs illegal. I think just if you own an NFT, gulag, you go to prison, you, you just they're outlawed completely. They disassemble the blockchain technology. I am so fucking sick of hearing about NFTs every week and they're not going away. They should have gone away already. They're not going away. They're still here. I still got to look at stupid fucking apes and stupid lions and they look like garbage and it's just becoming more prominent. And now people are saying, hey, Quentin Tarantino, you should take the frame, the single frame of your movie where the two guys point the guns. You should sell that as an NFT. And Quentin Tarantino goes, I I sold a movie with that in it. Why do I need to sell more? Because you could make a hundred quadrillion dollars. And it's like, what does this do for anybody? Just because money's on the table does not mean you have to we just make it illegal it. because if you take it if you always take the money that's on the table you're just gonna ruin your fucking reputation you're gonna ruin your brand and i think that's like people like i i see that more and more where people are like they're like trying to integrate nfts into video games now like ubisoft is like Oh, there's a playable NFT, and I don't know what that means. I don't like as far there's as I entire know, entire apps that are running on NFTs. It's just like oh, powered by what? It's just like why? Why? Like I get that there's a a reason for it beyond the sense of it's just storing a shitty looking JPEG file, but I don't care. Anybody that has one of these things, jail. Everything else, uh, it's illegal. You gotta. There has to be a black market for it. It has to be. The deepest underground. I want to hear nothing more about this. I can't wait to hear more about it next year. <laughs> yeah, or I'm next week. Ops. Yeah. Uh, but let's move yeah, on to something I'm, positive. Let's move on to something nice. Because, uh, you know, oh, you, we talk about NFTs yeah. for so long. I got to have a chaser. Okay. Let's move on to Thought Cops Key to the City, where we like Thank to shine God. a light on something positive, something cool, something nice, something that may have just made you smile this week. Uh, if you want to pull up that one uh, at the top there, uh, the YouTube link, Grant, yeah, that one. So this is um, this is a uh, this is a very short musical that somebody made off of a meme. Um, we're gonna show this on the screen here, Ken. I don't know if you you may have uh seen this meme before, but it's it's called "This Is Doing Numbers," and it's this picture of this guy. Well, we'll show it on the screen here in a second. Yeah, uh, it's a picture of this guy. As you can see, he's looking at the screen. He has like two retweets, three likes, and like it's kind of like, you know, you get that that you know maybe I mean Ken maybe you understand like you get that brief, you know, taste of fame, and then you're just like, oh yeah, I'm living in it now. And this is a meme that I think a lot of us can relate to at least at some point of our lives. But somebody, uh, uh, want to scroll down to his name real quick, Rand? I forgot who it is. Uh, Ken Kevin Ke- Kevin Temertunes. Kevin Temertunes made this uh, brief musical. It's 22 seconds long. Here it is. This is doing numbers. Finally somebody wants to listen to me. I fell into a slumber. Whoa, 
woke up and my whole life changed instantly. I was a nobody. Now, I love this. That was good. I want to see this guy. I want to see an entire musical about Twitter because it's so obviously it's all like shitty poo poo caca sucks ass. But I want to see like somebody spin this into like a musical. Yeah, like a full length feature film. I want to see I want to see the sideways facing yes guy. Just get his own like his own solo in the musical and sing right. about like I'm right, I'm you, you're 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 soy, I'm the yes guy. Yeah, just spin it into something fun and nice. Um, so that gets my key uh, key to the city. Kevin Temmer tunes. Check them out. Uh, Ken, did you have something positive you'd like to share with the class? Uh, yeah, my key to the city goes to uh, kind of a a large or vague group of artists who know their worth. Uh, this year, I've engaged a couple of artists to do commissions for me, uh, one to make a logo and one to do a piece of art that I have hanging in my house. And I rewarded them uh, with what we agreed upon, which was money, because <laughs> money is what you use to acquire goods and services, not exposure. Now, like I got 150 something thousand Twitter followers. I could have gotten them exposure out the ass. But then when they went to pay their rent, they wouldn't have been able to pay it with said exposure. They would have been like, look at all the likes my art got on Ken Bone's Twitter. Nobody gives a shit. We don't give you apples and bananas for that at the grocery store. Right. So you, you sit pay there your like, this is doing numbers. With, yeah. Yeah. You pay your artists with money because they are doing labor or providing a service for you. You provide them with the means of uh, acquiring goods and services from other people and artists who recognize that their time is worth compensation. This key to the city goes to you. Oh yeah. And I know we've, we've worked, we've, we've commissioned a few different pieces for our show. Like our, our main piece of artwork, uh, we commissioned from Inkusan on Twitter. Uh, great artist, great guy. And, uh, yeah, it, it just feels like, honestly, if I'm going to spend money on almost anything, it always feels nice to like just know that it's going right to the person who who's making this thing. Just there's no like middleman, nobody to lose the piece of cake I ordered. Just it goes straight to whoever's making it, and it's like somebody who is like talented, but should be more successful than they are usually. So it's always just nice to like you know like get that out there for them. It's awesome. Yeah. What do you got for us, Grant? Um, I am viciously scrolling right now to find mine, but uh, basically, my key to the city this week goes. I've been holding on to this one for a, a while until we had like sort of a bigger episode because you know uh, there's some people that deserve bigger plugs uh, for for bigger episodes. Uh, my key to the city this week goes to. Pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up. Uh, John, Elizabeth, John Elizabeth Stincy. I'm going to say that again. John Elizabeth Stincy. Uh, happy to announce that my novel Vanishing Monuments is out today in audio format. Uh, they used, um, narrated by the very talented Joanne Vanicola, who I guess has done voice acting work for a number of different, like, uh, 
I think they mentioned like Beyblade and <laughs> didn't couple, expect that a couple Beyblade and what was the other one? Uh, Metabots. Hell yeah. Um. So John Elizabeth Stinsey's um audio book came out, and you should all go check it out. It's on every major platform that where you can get audiobooks. I don't know where do you get audiobooks. Well, Audible? why don't you plug their Twitter? You can find it there. Yeah. It's at Jestinzi, J-E-S-T-I-N-T-Z-I. Also did the uh, the Heathcliff, the Heath Heathcliff, but also the uh, the Fire Bros artwork. Yeah, they've, they've done a lot of really awesome yeah. artwork for us, and we are very appreciative. Really awesome. Everybody always seems to love it when it's like, oh, it's just a nice little right. surprise. Oh, hey, there's Heathcliff dressed like uh, dressed like Grant, kind of audible. Got the hat got the gun. Libro FM. Check it out. Check it out. Hopefully, after this the, yields after some, this episode. Finish some the little episode bit of first. Sway. Finish the episode first, then listen to the book. Yeah. In that order. So before we get to our final segment, which is hearing from our uh, wonderful listeners by listening to some listener voicemails, Ken, if you could just go ahead and plug everything you want to plug, where people can find you, where they can seek out your uh, your thoughts, your ideas, anywhere. Well, on Twitter, on Twitter, I'm at KenBone18. If you want to follow me, uh, if you don't, uh, my heart will not be broken, nor will I be surprised, but uh, knock yourself out. Uh, or you can book me on Cameo. Uh, 10% of everything I make on Cameo in December goes to uh, the uh, St. Patrick Center for the Homeless here oh, in cool. the St. Louis area. Uh, if you don't want to give me money to tell your brother-in-law Merry Christmas, but you still want to benefit them, go to stpatrickcenter.org and uh, give them a dollar, two dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever you can afford. Uh, this is a great season to be uh, helping the homeless. They're a Homes First charity uh, or homeless charity initiative which means that instead of dangling a uh, stable housing environment in front of people like a carrot, like you can get housing if you get clean or if you get a job or sure, if you find sure. Jesus or whatever, they say, Hey, you know what would make you not homeless if you had a home and they put you in a home and then you're in a stable home, usually an apartment uh, or, uh, you know, another uh, a small rental property. And then now that you have an address, they can start helping you address the root causes of your homelessness, whether it's fleeing from domestic violence or substance abuse or mental illness or whatever it is. Now that you're in a stable home, you have a much better chance of overcoming those issues, and they will help you with all of that. Uh, it's a very expensive process, but has a enormous success rate. Uh, about 80% of their clients that they get into housing become stable members of society again and no longer require assistance in the future they are able to build a life for themselves that is an unbelievable success rate for any kind of uh, homeless charity so it is a proven model it works all across the country this is the best organization that does it in my area in the st louis area so please do what you can for them uh and one more time yeah, the name I, of that uh, organization was st patrick center so you go to stpatrickcenter.org and uh, you'll you find a lot more information awesome I may do that myself. Yeah. Um, so I also want to give a quick thank you to our uh, new patrons this week. Well, I'll say a patron. Uh, Jeremy Montez. Thank you for your donations. And then hey. everybody else who continues to do the same. We, Keeping uh, the show running. Very, very, very greatly appreciate it. 
And you can head on over to uh, patreon.com slash thought cops. You can just uh, give us a couple a couple bucks a month, five bucks a month, four bucks a month, whatever, whatever you feel like, you know, whatever, whatever you can afford. We would, uh, you know, we would appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's listen to some of those listener voicemails. If you want to give us a call of your own, if this inspires you, uh, our number is 312-788-7361. Or you can always send us an audio file to our email address, which is thoughtcopspodcast at gmail.com. Let's hit it. I just found out that a shark's brain looks like a uterus. Look it up. I'm not joking. That's all. Thanks for coming on the show, Ken Bone. <laughs> Was that Zwick? It sounded like him. Uh, Ken, care to comment? Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, happy to be here as always. <laughs> I'm not sure what else I can say. I don't either. But hey, thanks for the voicemail. We uh, we love to hear from you. Appreciate it. Let's play the next one here. Yeah. It's me, I'm Mario, calling into the thought call. Oh wow! I must specifically call for a grant. It's Chris Pratt. A grant. I have been waiting, waiting for you to play a Paper Mario. Why won't you play me, Mario? I... Why won't you play the Mario? That's getting correct in all of this. Is. It's a Twitch channel. <sighs> I sure miss here on Mario. I, I beat that game. Yeah, what's Mario. this thing? Like? <sighs> I wonder where he went. Only one, no one wants. Just kidding, boys. Once again, it is I. Oh, okay. You'll be incredible. Hello, your voice mail. Thought crime. Christmas music. Too soon. Too yes. much. Yeah. Nobody likes Christmas music. At least December. Right. And they brought up the Spotify rap. Do you know how many Santa Clauses showed up on those Spotify's? None. Not Nobody many. likes Christmas music, boys. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to put up with it. No one wants to hear your shitty rendition of it. Swap out the male singer for the female and the female for the male. Congratulations. Your Christmas song for the year. I think not. Hot garbage is what you have made. So, the thought crime is enjoying Christmas music. I demand punishment. Bring out the wheel. Have a wonderful night, gentlemen. It's, it's over there. It is back. Are you going to grab it? You have to assemble it, though. I mean, it's not put together. You're not going to have time to... Are you going to fake spin the wheel? Spin it. All right. Mr. Mr. Plinkett sure was pissed about the the Christmas music. Sissy Fist Boulder. I don't know what that means in the context. Sissy Fist Boulder. Let's say... Sisyphus uh, was, from Greek mythology, had to push a boulder up a hill every night and then watch as it rolled back down. Uh, He's the definition of futility, and he was cursed to do that for eternity. Well, I say that uh, Leo should have to uh, listen to Christmas music all throughout December because he's complaining that it's happening too early. It is. And I agree, but he's calling in about it during December, which is when Christmas music typically plays. And I don't like Christmas music either, Leo. I agree with you. But I think that um, just, you know, you asked me to spin the wheel. So I did, as you can uh, plainly see. So that is what's going to have to happen. And I want to say that uh, once you go through and you listen to all the Christmas music, you find a nice playlist on uh, Spotify. Got to do it again. It's going to come up again and it's going to show up on your uh, your top your top artists of uh, 2022. I hope want you know, and what better way to cool down in the summer than listening to a song about Santa, you know? Brings you back to those times of, uh, you know, chilling inside. It's snowing outside. 
I mean, Christmas music, we all have to admit, like, I think that there's the nostalgia factor for a lot of people, but it is all very mediocre. I feel like it's all just in the same key. It's all just the same words. They just mixed them up a little. You think you could do yeah, there's only about yeah there's only about nine Christmas songs and seven of them are insufferable and the other two are meh. Yeah, it, it there that is true. There aren't many, and then the when it's it's very hard to get one to stick. I feel like a lot of artists do have like they may have like a Christmas album or the like only a, one that sticks not the only one that sticks is Mariah Carey. That's the only one that stuck. Nothing else sticks like that. That's the one. You know. We'll never top that. As a society, we'll never top that. That's that the accumulation of all human invention is that song. And we're never going to do better. Speaking of uh, doing better, though, let's see if this next voicemail tops that one. Let's go. I saw this TikTok of this person making vegan tuna sushi. Vegan tuna Obviously, sushi. Obviously, this is not vegan. So I'm like, what are they doing? This motherfucker is using tomato tomato is not tuna and if someone were to give me the shit and I were to take a bite in it I would have to beat them to death if you want to be vegan it's fine but like you just can't veganize tuna sushi especially with tomato that is weird No, just stop how yeah did they just come to that conclusion because tuna and tomato colored They both start with the letter T. Like, I know that there's a lot of plant substitutes you can have, you know, but I don't see myself chewing on a tomato product and thinking to myself, oh, this tastes just like tuna fish. Unless there's something I'm missing. There's some special ingredient that I'm not hearing about. I don't get it. But I'm also not vegan, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know what's another good Christmas song? What's that? Uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney. You think so? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No respect a- to Sir Paul, but that is in the bottom tier. It is. It's bad. like the worst uh, song I've ever heard. That I'm is gonna, Christmas uh, hell stuck in JC Penny on Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's like, uh, like when I used to work at, I don't know if I can't really keep my timeline straight, but this is at least what plays out in my head. Um, when I hear that song is that song used to play all the time when I worked at Starbucks, like during the holidays, which is the most miserable time to work retail is when these songs are just like punching you in the ear. And I keep thinking of like the black mirror Christmas special where the guy keeps like smashing the snow globe and then it just reappears and he like smashes it again. And I just hear simply having a wonderful Christmas time as I'm like destroying the store that I work at. And it just like, appears back to normal again and i'm just like in a loop for all eternity that's like what i hear when i hear that song we got people in the chat debating this though uh nico says grandma got run over by a reindeer is so much worse yeah that's pretty bad um sleep sign says last christmas is also the worst um, it's not great but it's not i i, the I mean worst. Yeah, none of them are good though but i i don't actively hate that one and then nico says any song you listen to when you're working retail you will hate yeah, yeah. but it's also I don't know. It it just maybe I think just when you combine like Christmas songs with working in retail or even if you're not working in retail, you go to a store and you have to listen to it. Just the the whole commodification aspect of it and like the consume, consume, consume. And there's Christmas music playing. I have to buy this. I have to buy that ever encroaching. It's just like 
a week earlier every single year. And it's kind of stressful, to be honest. It's like, well, I know you hear the Christmas music. It's like, well, it's time to buy all of it. Nobody has any money anymore. Yeah, but I got to buy Christmas presents because I hear that song. The earliest Christmas song I heard this year, I'd like to know when your guys was. Mine was in a cab in Chicago uh, the weekend, like two weekends before Thanksgiving. I was in town to see Eliza Schlesinger. It was like early November, like November 9th. That's early Christmas music in a cab. I know like a lot of radio stations will wait till like Thanksgiving night, like after like Thanksgiving dinner and like I, I, which I think that's appropriate. That's fine. Like that's as early as I think is okay to play that music. But yeah, like you said, two weeks before Thanksgiving, you're steamrolling Thanksgiving. But I even heard some people say that they were hearing this stuff as, as early as Halloween. That's fucked. I mean, that is... What are we doing? So I can't do early, but I know one year I heard a Christmas. I think it was like Jingle Bell Rock I heard in like April. And I just... I I started openly weeping. That like just made me sick to my stomach. It's... Yeah, it's terrible. That... I mean, that's even worse. That is the absolute bottom of the barrel Christmas song. Jingle Bell Rock. It's and the it monster was, it was mash of April. Christmas. Yeah. Evil. <laughs> uh, Cashew in the chat here actually brings up a good point about a good Christmas song, which is anything off the Peanuts Christmas special soundtrack. Yeah, that's fair. Which I will I will agree that, to that. That does like slow piano pieces, mm-hmm. you know. That's it's yeah. very calming, relaxing, it's, soothing. Yeah. It's good atmospheric stuff to have on in the background at a holiday get together. Yeah. Uh, I also enjoy the Bare Naked Ladies Christmas album they did with Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, that's probably my favorite. Other than that, it's like Bing Crosby, but Bing Crosby used to beat his children, so I can't really get into that as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does it for our voicemails on this episode. Again, our number is 312-788-7361, or you can always send us an audio file to thoughtcopspodcast at gmail.com. Ken Bone, thank you for coming back on the show, man, and we're happy to have you every time. It's always a pleasure. Oh, it was an absolute blast. I uh, like being here with you guys. It's a great show. Uh, just enough outrage uh, capped off with enough good times that I don't have to have high blood pressure when we're done. Exactly. That's, we, we realized that's all we can hope for. After doing the show for a set amount of time, we're like, right. we need that chaser at the end. It, it Just for everybody's sake. Everybody doing the show, everybody listening. We got to have that cap at the end. And I want to say to all, the, all those listening all in the chat right now, thank you so much for listening. And thanks to those who donate over on patreon.com slash thought cops. It means a whole hell of a lot, especially in these holiday season times. Yeah. Uh, We'll see you next time. See you, Space Cop.